Hi, this is Destiny Philoxy, and you're listening to UMass on his basketball on 91.1 WMUA. Welcome back to the latest edition of the UMass Women's Basketball Show here on WMUA Sports, the official radio network of UMass Minute Women Hoops. Happy President's Day, everyone. My name is Jacob Munch, joined today in the studio by Josh Schreiber, Beckett Story, Chris Vogel, and Sam Kinches. We've got a full house here in the WMUA studio. And how about these UMass Minute Women? They just keep cruising. Another Two more wins this week, including a dominating victory over Rhode Island on Thursday. Then they took care of business at home against Davidson on Sunday. Josh, I'll start with you. Just your thoughts on UMass as we enter the final week of the regular season. I mean, Coach Verdi said it best himself. They're playing their best basketball of the season right now after routing George Mason, routing Rhode Island, and then... The 14-point victory against Davidson did not fully show how dominant that win was. That was really a 20-plus point win um, that they kind of just stopped trying defensively near the end. They were not boxing anybody out. They were kind of just having fun. But overall, I couldn't be happier with the way that they're playing right now. They have set a program record by having won 12 straight games now. That's the longest winning streak. And Chris, in large part, that happened because of the Rhode Island victory on Thursday. Yeah, just great team effort against Rhode Island on Thursday. I thought the most impressive thing was they managed to blow them out without Breen playing well. Mm. Breen was just 5 of 19 from the field, but Taylor and Gallic-Lundy really picked up the offensive where it was needed, combined for 35. Uh, it's great to see, especially Gallic-Lundy step up. That's probably our best game of the year by far, and just having an extra score going into the tournament is huge. No question. I think depth matters a lot. And Beckett, we saw it in that Rhode Island game where four players were in double figures, but you look at what Sydney Taylor's been able to do, especially in that game. She didn't start shooting the ball well, but she was still able to make a lot of contributions. Yeah, she was integral. I mean, to have a great game, even though not shooting her best, is super important. And we challenged her to have a great game last week. So that was awesome to see. And the entire team was positive and plus minus. So everyone was doing something around the board. When you look at Sid with the double-double, 18 points and 10 rebounds, that's an impressive stat line. But Sam, I don't think that was the most impressive one of the night. Destiny Philoxy, 11 assists, one turnovers. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And that's tying her career high. And we keep speaking about the depth of this team and how everyone's contributing. The fact that Breen and Veloxy, the captains of this team, were not the leading scorers yet found other unique ways to contribute to this game. I mean, this is the minute women offense we want to see, really working like a well-oiled machine, everyone getting involved and everybody finding their own way to contribute. And Des played a very well-rounded game, all things considered. She did not, she only turned the ball over once with those 11 assists, which is an absurd stat line looking back on it. And it was just a clean game from start to finish. And Des stat line was embodiment of that. No question. And I think, Josh, she said, what was it she told us after yeah, the game? She, 
She said, she said, because we said to her, hey, 11 assists and a turnover and only one turnover, that's pretty impressive. She said, yeah, normally it's 7-7 seven and seven or something like that. <laughs> so she was kind of joking around with us. She has a great sense of humor when she it comes to those things. She herself enough credit also, which is, like, really cool because it's, so hum- it's so humbling for her because she really just doesn't give herself enough credit because she's always looking to get better. Yeah, and she is one of the best in the program in terms of, I mean, obviously she's tops in terms of assists, but she just keeps making her way up in a bunch of other categories, and she hasn't been quite as clean with the basketball recently until the last couple of games where she's really picked it up. The Rhode Island game, in yesterday's game against Davidson, she was really good as well. But any of you can take this question. The fact that, I think some people thought UMass could beat Rhode Island. I don't think anyone expected they'd win by 21 on the road. What does that do for your confidence and to establish dominance the rest of the season? I think it really helps, especially knowing that this is probably going to be a matchup in the A-10 tournament if it's chalk. Uh, Just especially it being URI, a team you really struggled with over the last two, three years. To be able to get that one win is huge. I think also... Holding Maya Torre to five points, her their best player, the the player that's been sort of the demons have been exercised. I mean, UMass hasn't won against Rhode Island, let alone in the Ryan Center, in quite some time. And for him to not just win, but to win in such a convincing fashion, <laughs> making Rhode Island really just look so just question a lot of things. And there was just it was shocking just to see them just come out with a clean game to start to finish against a really good team that they struggled with. I think there's a huge boost in your confidence for, for now and for the rest of the season. Yeah, and Jacob, we've, we've talked about it specifically several times, but this UMass team in the past few years has always been more talented than Rhode Island. Yep. It hasn't been a matter of talent. It's simply been UMass has played terribly in their games against Rhode Island for whatever the reason is, and Rhode Island is known to be, and we talked to Tammy Reese about it, but they are a defensive team. They want to just stifle the minute women's scoring. And finally, UMass put together an effort where they were making the extra pass. Destiny Filoxi several times, um, Sydney Taylor and Bernaya Mayo, they were driving, penetrating the defense, forcing Maya Torre and whoever the front court player was at the time to take a step up and then hitting Galakulandi, hitting Breen, hitting McKenna White right inside for the easy two. It was just beautiful basketball to watch. And I think more than just having that big win, whether they end up having the A-10 number one seed in the tournament or not, it's just such a big confidence booster to see, hey, we can beat this team. We can beat this team in their home on at their home court with so many people there and we can do so in convincing fashion that's kind of just like the the weight that was lifted off their shoulders in that game and i think josh convincing is the best word for it because i all of us here wanted and expected a umass win i think expected maybe a stretch for me personally <laughs> you know when we did the predictions sure, we, had, yes. we had umass right. winning right yep but but it was the it was the way in which they did so that was so so impressive and you know one stat that certainly jumped out to, off to me 51 total rebounds for the minute women as compared to 29 for rhode island that is stifling i mean and and it's all across the board galakulandi eight rebounds Taylor, 10 rebounds. We don't see that from her very often. Sam Breen, 8 rebounds. 5 rebounds for for Mayo. You know, everyone was getting rebounds. It's crazy because it really makes such a difference. They scored significantly less than they normally do against us. 
because they weren't getting their own rebounds. I think you're exactly right. And that shows a desire and a championship grit that we haven't seen from them in a little while in that fashion. Because if you get 21 offensive rebounds to Rhode Island's eight, which is what happened, yeah, Rhode Island has no chance to win that game. And I think UMass established their dominance down low. Sam, you mentioned how Maya Torre only scored five points for Rhode Island. That was in part due, I think, Personally, I didn't agree with Rhode Island's coaching plan. They didn't try to feed Torrey the ball until the fourth quarter, which I think was a mistake. But you got to credit UMass, too. Their defense and physicality down low didn't enable Rhode Island to get Torrey the basketball. And that's why UMass dominated the glass was because all five of the players on the floor for UMass wanted it more and were more physical than all the roadie players. I think also they just learn to really trust each other as a team. You see in the rotations, they're making sure they're covering their spots, getting yep. to their spots. And on offense, they're moving the ball. They trust each other to make the shots, make the extra pass. They're really playing so such sound team basketball. And when a team is at their best, not only individually, but collectively, really trusting each other, it shows persistence, reliability that is unmatched by many teams in the in NCAA. Yes, and... I think, I mean, my parents happened to be at yesterday's game, and they've been following the team for over two years, and they said they have never seen this UMass team look so connected like they are right now. Their ball movement, they're making five extra passes where, like, yeah. we can't keep up to it on the call. Defensively, their rotations, their scrambling, everything's been great. They're high hedging. They really seem like, I mean, they look like a better team than last year right now. They're just so dialed in. Well, sorry, Chris. Yeah, I think that all plays a part in it because you look at it, they didn't shoot that particularly well as a team. They still managed to blow them out. It's because of all those small things, that communication, the ball movement, and then the defensive effort that lets you completely dominate a game without having to rely on shooting 40% from three or 55% from the field. Well, team teams just simply are confused at this point on the defensive end because when you see what they're able to do, offensively the way they move the ball around the way they make those extra passes that we saw teams are there was one specific play in that davidson game i want to point at and that was when i don't remember who it was someone was driving inside they kicked it out to sid taylor and then they had taylor in the corner bernaya mayo on the wing and sam breen top of the key the defense was so focused on they're just going to pass the ball around the perimeter it went Taylor to Mayo. Mayo faked the pass to Breen, mm. left a lane wide open for her, and she drove to the bucket with ease. That's something we've seen a lot more of. And quite honestly, it's just physically unstoppable because you're going to have to leave somebody open. Yeah, UMass is they're the most talented le- team in the league. They've got the most talented players. They've got players who can beat you one-on-one off the dribble. So as soon as that happens, you're requiring a help defender to step in. And like you said, Josh, it leaves someone open. And one thing we haven't mentioned from this Rhode Island game is the quick starts. They did it a- again on the road. They punched Rhode Island first, 9 nothing lead. That made all the difference. It was very similar to the first game where Rhode Island struck first and then UMass was able to come back, but they couldn't hold the lead, and Rhode Island ran away with it. But UMass struck first, and Rhode Island never had a response. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we've seen from this team at this point. If they get off with the hot hand early, it's pretty hard for them to get their foot off the gas pedal by the end of it. I I don't want to take us too off topic here, but I was just looking at the AP poll. UMass did receive a vote in the AP poll, I believe, for the first time. This yeah, first season. time this year. 
Did you say one vote? Yeah, just one vote, but it it's better than a nothing. And sorry, a vote's a hey, a vote is a vote. Yeah, exactly. So they they received a vote. Columbia also received a vote. Tennessee received seven votes. Um, Tennessee now twenty and nine. So they they've had some success, which is pretty helpful um, for UMass as Tennessee um, obviously beat us at home early on in this season. So definitely good to see. Some of the teams that UMass going against getting some recognition should help them um, if they do need an at-large bid. That's to say that you obviously love getting those votes now because it does contribute to your possibility of being an at-large team where I'd expect them to be on the bubble regardless if they're not conference champs. And in the net, they're 55th, meaning they're right on that bubble. Yeah, I mean, this is a UMass team that... I mean, I can't say enough. I really don't think there are many teams in this country that have a chance of blowing out UMass. Sure, if UMass um, has one of their incredibly off games, it's absolutely possible. But I just, maybe, obviously, like a team like South Carolina, Indiana, (laughs) UConn, like those teams, those teams would have a good chance of blowing out UMass. But, I mean, Iowa is sixth in the country. Drake almost beat Iowa in overtime, and we honestly didn't play a great game against Drake and ended up winning by 17 in overtime to them. So I, I think that these, this UMass team has the physicality. They have the just star power where they can compete with any team. If they're playing their best game, I think they can absolutely compete with any team in the country. Yeah, I was just looking at like how a bracket could potentially look on ESPN, and it's basically, I, th- I mean, I'm looking at their, they haven't been 12, but I'd feel like they have a shot to beat really anyone that's not like a top two or three seed. Yep. I'm not saying they're going, like, they're not going to beat South Carolina unless something crazy happens. No one in the country's beating exactly. South Carolina. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, you play in a region, this is the hypothetical car one, use at UCLA, or playing UCLA to start, and then most likely Oklahoma in round two. I think both those teams are beatable, and you're probably just going to get rewarded with a 30-point loss at South Carolina. I also feel like when you get to this point in March with college basketball, it's really all about getting hot at the right time and clicking at the right time. Yep. And UMass is at a point where they, they're clicking on all cylinders at just the right time. And this momentum continues into the tournament and hypothetically, we hope, into the March Madness. I mean, who knows what could happen? I really think the sky's the limit. Oh, uh, I was going to say, and staying healthy, of course. I mean, you know, you never can plan for any injuries. But with with this, I think, you know, obviously we're playing quote-unquote lesser competition than than power five which is definitely true i don't know why i did quote-unquote <laughs> like it's absolutely true but i i just think i don't know i think with having last year's situation and having lost in the first round i think the players on this team are ready to prove some people wrong in march yes and i think like we just spent a little bit talking about all the teams in the country umass could beat or at least could not get blown out by the sad unfortunate reality is that we don't even know if UMass will make it that far because the at-large bid is still rather questionable at best. ESPN hasn't released their latest bracketology, and I guess they'll say that UMass has the automatic qualifier, which actually I think is bad. I'd rather see where UMass stacks in in terms of teams, like first teams out. But right now for UMass, I'm shocked they only got one vote. Rhode Island had six votes in the AP poll last week, and UMass just clobbered them by 21 in Rhode Island's gym, yet UMass only comes away with one vote. Yeah. I, 
Yeah. Yeah, Rhode Island, just for reference, Rhode Island is currently the seventh team out, so it's definitely very much and a... And that was before UMass th- beat them. Mm-hmm. No, this wasn't this after because it has UMass as the auto bid, which they wouldn't have had. Oh, wait, you're exactly right. My apologies. Yep, you're, yeah. it's a Friday yeah. morning. Sorry. So it doesn't yeah. have this weekend's games, but it has the URI-UMass URI, game in, and it's got URI right in the bubble, and UMass has a better resume than them. Yeah, most I likely. Agree. I'd probably agree, which I agree with. Uh, so I think they are very much, they'd be... I mean, if they get in, there's a good chance they might be going to that first four round, but they probably have at least a shot of getting in. Well, and that's all you need. Like, first four, you look at Dayton last year. They were the regular season champions. They lost in the final to Massachusetts. They made it into the first four, and then they defeated DePaul, who was only there because Anissa Morrow was really darn good. And then Dayton lost to Georgia in a relatively close game. I think it was a 6-11 matchup. Um so the possibilities are still there for UMass, but the most important thing is to take care of business in a week and a half in the A-10 tournament and just keep winning. They still have a chance for the regular season title, so go get two wins here this week. We are going to take a quick break, but first we'll tell you that this broadcast of UMass Women's Basketball is brought to you by The Quarters. Located just off Route 9 on the bike trail in Hadley, The Quarters offers unlimited arcade play with 25 vintage games from the 80s and 90s, as well as a full food menu, draft beers, and cocktails. Weekly events of The Quarters include Monday trivia, Thursday karaoke, and weekend morning unlimited cereal buffet and cartoons. The Quarters also offers private events. The Quarters is online at hadleyquarters.com and on Instagram and Facebook. Don't go anywhere. The UMass Women's Basketball Show will be back right after this here on WMUA Sports. Hi, this is Steph Kalesha of the UMass Women's Basketball Team. WMUA Sports has you covered for all your Minute Women Basketball. MS does suck. <laughs> MS mucks with your central nervous system. Almost everything about your body, your muscles, your organs, your ability to speak, your ability to understand, your ability to move. MS took everything from me, everything I thought was important, everything I valued. I used to jump in a trampoline and swim with the kids. MS has affected me being a mom because I'm sorry. Despite MS, I will keep riding my bike. I will continue to be the strongest mom that I possibly can. I will still dance with my husband. I will continue to live the life that my daughter expects me to live. Multiple sclerosis may be a part of who you are, but it doesn't define you. I will never stop. I will never quit. I'm going to keep being me. Veterans Michelle Scott, Carl Blake, and Jesse Graham. I was an unemployed veteran. I served because it was always my dream. September 11th happened my senior year. I wanted to serve my country. After injury, I felt scared, worried, concerned. I was newly married, didn't really know what was going to happen next. I just remember sitting there trying to move my legs. I lost my job, then I lost my house. I had to start over. First person I saw after my wife when I was a new injury was a a Paralyzed Veterans of America member. The second person I saw was a service officer for our organization. The Paralyzed Veterans of America, they gave me the outlet to find a career now. They focus on the accessibility for our lives. They helped me get to a point where I'm at now, where I can have a job, have a family, be a part of society, and live life the way I want to live life. To learn more, visit pva.org. A public service message from Paralyzed Veterans of America. Hi, it's Sydney Taylor, and you're listening to WMUA 91.1 FM Amherst, the official radio network of UMass Women's Basketball.
Welcome back to episode 21 of the UMass Women's Basketball Show here on WMUA Sports. Big crew in the house today, Sam Kinches, Chris Vogel, Beckett Story, Josh Schreiber, and then I'm your host, Jacob Munch. We did announce before the commercial break that UMass had received one vote in the AP poll. However, we slightly misspoke. That is the second time this year that UMass has received at least a vote in the Associated Press poll. They received two back on November 28th. That was all the craziness where one AP poll was released and it said that UMass didn't receive votes. Another was released that said they did. The ultimate verdict was they did receive votes. So this is the second time that they have gotten a vote in the AP poll this year. And now it is time for our favorite game of Stump the Senior, bum ba bum featuring Sam Kinches with the question. All right, Jacob, the last time that the Minute Woman beat URI before last time was February 29th, 2020. What, the rich three players that are currently on the Minute Woman roster were in that game. Well, oh, I mean, there were only three players who were on that team? Yes, that are currently on the team now. That was... May, you said that was, wait, I'm 2020. Sorry, December 2020 or January 2020? February 2020. February 2020. Oh, okay, gotcha. So that'll be Sam Breen, Sidney Taylor, Destiny Foxy. That was a gimme. That one was really easy. Yeah. Is that correct? Who was the leading scorer in that game, though? Oh, leading scorer, that, well, that, I'm going to say Haley Lydell. Yes, that was hey, also a gimme. let's go. Double points <laughs> for me. Ha <laughs> ha. Fun, okay. Question for you guys. Josh can't answer because he knows this. Ooh. Who, the last time before this Thursday that UMass won at the Ryan Center, URI was not the opponent. Who was? Harlem Globetrotters. Not the Globetrotters. Sam, you're right. It was during the COVID year. Probably had to be adjusted. For some reason, I still don't remember the reason. Yes, Chris? Um, Blanket hoop. Nope, it is was not it any team. It was not Fordham. It was... Was it an A-10 team? Yes, it was an A-10 Columbia? team. Columbia? No. Um, anyway, all right. I'm going to end this. <laughs> that because was just not you, you didn't have a shot. No one had a shot there. Josh, do you want to know the answer? Do you remember? I well, I think... Didn't they play two? They played two they games. Won they two. lost was, one and won one. Oh, it was Mason and VCU. Ooh, VCU was the team they, they, lost, they lost to. But they beat St. Joe's. No, was okay. it, GW? it was Richmond. Really, Richmond, and okay. that was a se- that was senior day for UMass. So they honored Maddie Sims. There were no fans in the stands, but they honored Maddie Sims. So it's like a big picture yeah. of the whole UMass team right in front of like the big URI logo <laughs> with empty stands and cardboard cutouts of like URI dogs and people and all that sort of stuff. That is kind of a tough way to have your senior night be at basically your rival's gym in front of nobody. <laughs> yes, exactly, and then. That was the last game UMass had more than seven players that year because they immediately went down to the Savage 7 after that. So I imagine there were some things going on during all of that anyway. But a very successful stump the senior for me. I'm proud of myself. Let's go. Excellent. So now we'll move on to Davidson for a little bit. Yesterday's game, UMass won by 14 points. That didn't tell the whole story. They dominated from start to finish except for the last three minutes when their starters were tired and gave up a few points and stopped playing good defense. But besides that, another great win for UMass. Beckett, I'll start with you. What impressed you most about UMass's win yesterday? Well, I think the the high volume of scoring from the Stars yet again was pretty great. I mean, we're talking almost every point scored between... Eh, I'm not even going to go there. Whatever. There's a lot of <laughs> points being scored. A lot of good, good scores. Obviously, Sam Breen came back, had a great game, 22 10 and 4 and then Sydney Taylor with 
22 rebounds, which was a few less than the last game, but that's okay, and four assists. Uh, of course, Philoxy had seven assists against. That was great. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what st- stands out to me is just that Davidson has some really good scorers. Yes, they do. And, and yeah, like you said, this game was a lot less close than it looks on the scorecard, but I'm surprised that, that they were giving up that many points to those three players, and that was pretty much the entire team effort. Yeah, I also want to add that in that game, UMass once again had 20 assists as a team. Wow. I believe that was the number. I could be off by a couple, but... 22 per live stats, which for the record, I mean, Pedro and I talked about this on broadcast. Live stats kept getting things wrong yesterday. Yeah. Philoxy, we had, her, we had her at nine assists, and they gave some points for Davidson to players who weren't on the floor at the time. So, but yes, they did say 22 team assists. Yeah, so 22 team assists... And UMass is now eighth in the country in assists per game as a team. Wow. Now at, um, what is the number? 18.3 assists. So they're actually tied with Utah at seven. So, and if you really, you you have to count recently in A-10 play, they've been getting way more assists than what they did in the beginning of the season. So they are up there with the best teams in the country. Oklahoma's number one. They're at 21.4. And UMass has reach 21 assists in a game, I believe, in about half of our A-10 game. So it's been very impressive to see them moving the ball as well as they are. And if you look at the teams in that top 10, there's some pretty good teams in there. There's Iowa. um, Well, Utah is currently fourth in the country. Utah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Utah is fourth. And Indiana, who's .1 assists ahead of them, they are top five in the country, I believe. They're number two. Yep. Um UConn, of course, Iowa's top 10. Um, and then it's kind of funny, Drake and Columbia are in there too. <laughs> we, we had it, incredible games against them this season. So definitely think, some good company. I think the biggest thing that stands out to me was the play of the, was the, play of the front court. Mm. And the, like Ngala Galandi, McKenna White and Sam Breen. Ngala Galandi had three blocks, Breen had two, and McKenna White had one. They did a great job just stifling the interior, not giving Davidson any room to work. Davidson had to do a lot of their scoring from the perimeter, especially in the first half, and they were making the shots. But Ngala Galandi with another double-digit game and just another great all-around performance. And we talk about how these both Hurt and McKenna White are really can be that glue, that extra piece that really takes them over the top. And we've seen throughout the year, especially now with Ngala Galandi, you're really getting her turn to shine. There are a lot of opportunities where they're just like showing spurts of really being that extra piece. Yeah, I thought the other thing that was great to see was they basically just came out and won a shootout in the first half. Yep. Davidson shot great from the field. The first, well, great. First quarter, they were 7 for 14 from the field, 50%. In the second quarter, they were 4 for 7 from 3. Yet UMass was up, I believe, 19 at the half, something around 14, sorry, 14 at the half. And that's just because they were shooting the lights out of the gym. 60% from, or yeah, 60% from 3 in the first quarter, almost 64% from the field in the second quarter. Just when they're shooting like that, nobody's going to be able to play with them. No, you're exactly right. And I think Davidson did have some offensive success early. They got Ellie Sutphin going in the first quarter. And then again, Davidson just stopped going to her. Maybe UMass made an adjustment. I think they had... They switched Breen and Galakulondi, so Galakulondi was guarding Sutphin more. That's more of a equal height matchup. But, yeah, UMass just did a really good job of shooting the ball well. They're sharing the wealth. They are spreading the love offensively. 
I mean, you look at even Angelique Alicomondi at three assists. I don't know what her career high is, but that's not something she typically does a lot of. And so it was great to see UMass just all contributing. Of course, Destiny Philoxy, the seven assists. Like, that's awesome. I feel like this is a stat that could get overlooked. UMass shot 11 for 14 from the free throw line. Hmm. We who follow UMass basketball know from historically, Tory Verdi's teams do not shoot free throws well. That is, for some reason, something that's always evaded them. And I guess it was a game that was very deep early, but those free throws matter. Like, you miss half those free throws, this game is single digits before you blink. So the fact that they were able to make the free throws when they counted and when they had the chance to is something that's reassuring. And even when you think about getting into close games, being able to make those, those can even be more important. And this year's version of the Minute Women would like to, and they are doing a good job at disproving the theory that Torres Verdi's teams are bad at free throws because they're shooting 74% from the line this year, which is quite good. It's above their goal. They typically set a goal for 72%. And they've been making them when they have to. They, they've been getting to the line a lot, too, because they continue to establish their dominant in the paint. Uh, yeah, just the free throw point kind of remind me of someone on your point. Just the change in style for Davidson to focus more on the perimeter as the game mm, went on yep. kind of backfired. They only oh, had yeah. three free throw attempts all game, which yep. that's not a great look. look. And, and then they didn't make a single shot from two, for two points. So yeah, their only points in the third quarter, or in the second quarter, were their four threes. Dude. Yes, and UMass didn't – it wasn't like the refs were bad. It was just Davidson stopped going down low. Their guards rarely tried to turn the corner. Yeah, there's games where you see a foul discrepancy and you're like, okay, the refs might have had a rough game. This wasn't one on – they were just yeah. not giving them any chance to call a foul on UMass because Davidson wasn't aggressive. Yes, and I think that's something for Davidson to learn from. I think – I mean, they did shoot the three ball pretty well as a whole. I mean, they made nine of them 39%. Izzy Morgan was real good from deep six for, I'm sorry, four for six. But Davidson could have had more success going down low. Also, I want to spend a minute talking about the crowd. Anyone can jump in here, but that was the largest crowd UMass has had that hasn't been a field trip day since at least 2015-16. I couldn't find the numbers back before then. It's certainly been longer than that. It's probably the biggest non-field trip crowd they've had in a decade. And that makes a big difference. Yeah, I pointed out on your Twitter. I mean, I'm I don't have number like I can't fully say this is 100 percent, but I'm guessing it's the largest paying crowd because I think they give away those tickets for the field trip day, and then it's also probably the largest crowd that's largest paying crowd for a non-ranked yep. matchup in history because I think the one you saw you saw was UConn like 20 years ago and they Correct, were number yes. five in the country or something at the time. Yeah, then that largest cr- crowd was 6,000 people for that UConn game back in the late 90s, but. It's nice to see the community finally showing some interest yeah. in the student body because they certainly deserve it. And yesterday's crowd wasn't exactly the loudest crowd. I think the Fordham crowd might have been louder. Definitely, but yeah. you look up and you see people going up past the concourse level, that makes a huge difference. There wasn't really anything to get the crowd loud. True. It was kind yes. of just <laughs> the game felt like it was over from the tip. I think it was a close game. You would have seen that place get very loud. There also were not a whole lot of students there, I don't think, just because it was... Three-day weekend. Uh, right, a three-day weekend, and also it was a noon game. A lot of college students are still sleeping at that time. <laughs> so I will say I was trying to get some of my friends to go, and I just couldn't get them out of bed. So I was there with um, some of the practice players on the team. But it was a really great atmosphere. And if anyone is listening to this and is questioning, like, how can I, how can I see this team play? When's the next game I can go to? 
next week, Saturday, I believe, at 3 o'clock, at 4 o'clock. But get there early because there's going to be senior day festivities throughout the day. So get there around 3 o'clock at the Mullen Center. UMass plays George Washington. It is the last time, hopefully, that you will get to see Sam Breen and Destiny Filoxi playing at home. Um, and for all they have done for this program, just come to one game. It, yep. If we can get a huge atmosphere for that game, it's a big game too. George Washington is a very good team, and UMass really they they deserve the support. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> people, <clears throat> especially I can say as a, as a UMass student, um, people love to complain about the quality of our sports, especially <laughs> as students here, which is like, you know, you chose to be here, but um, there's no team that's playing better right now. We've been saying this for weeks now. I mean, this is a legitimately talented, unbelievably talented team that can make a run in the postseason in March Madness, and we're all looking forward to that, and yeah, I mean, the crowd's been better, but they can still be better, and we should definitely make that George Washington game the best game of the year. If you want any added motivation to come, not only could you potentially see UMass lock up their first ever outright championship if something if stuff goes their way the rest of the week, you could also see Sam Breen break the program record. Yep. Just 45 points away. She'll be right on that line if she's going to break it in that game. Could be late that game. Could be early in the first their first game, so the quarterfinal of the A-10 tournament. But you don't want to miss the chance to see something that hasn't been done in a long time. Sue Peters had that record for a while, so there hasn't been many changes in all-time leading scorer for UMass. Yeah, Sue Peters, who is the current all-time scoring leader, has 1,858 points as a minute women. She graduated in 1980. The current year is 2023. It's been 43 years since someone has had the opportunity to break her record. Haley Lydell got gypped because there was no national postseason Her the end of her very last year due to COVID. She possibly could have gotten it. But Sam Breen is right there. And by the way, a little plug here. WMUA got to speak with Sue Peters yesterday during the halftime show live. And that whole sit-down interview, it's only seven, seven and a half minutes. It's up on our Spotify at WMUA Sports Podcast. So go give it a listen because she was fantastic learning about basketball back in her day, how, what she thinks about the team now, the possibility of a record getting broken and everything. So go check that out. But reasons to go on Saturday. First of all, like you said, Chris, they can win the regular season championship. They've never done that in program history. I don't know if any of you were paying attention to Indiana, but they uh, won the regular season title for their conference yesterday. That was a huge celebration. T-shirts, hats, they were cutting down the nets. There was trophy. There was confetti. Like, you want to be a part of that if you're a fan, and the possibility could very well be there on Saturday. So that's option number one. Number two, or point number one. Number two, Breen could break the all-time scoring record. That'd be insane. You'd be seeing history that hasn't been done in 43 years. Number three. If you like emotions or drama, this is the game for you, too, because I assure you there will be plenty of emotions at the beginning of the game during the senior day uh, festivities. Destiny Filoxi and Sam Breen are going to be honored because they're seniors. It's their last home game. Sam and Destiny, they both expect to cry. Like They've talked to me about it. Destiny was emotional last year when she got honored. I'm sure I'm going to be emotional watching because what they have done for this program is insane. There's also supposed to be a lot of free giveaways, especially for students and fans, so you should go out for that as well and hey it's the largest crowd this team has had in at least a decade you can just continue to build that up for Breen and Flox just look at how how much bigger like better this team is from when they came here yep. they've really been here the entire rise to this team to be competitive in the A-10 
to make a run in the A-10, win it last year, get to the tournament, now be in position to win the regular season title and then turn their attention to bigger things. No, you're exactly right. Philoxy especially, she, this is her fifth year. No one's been here as long as her. And she has carried this team. When she arrived at this team, they were mediocre at best. And they have, they were, it wasn't at their bottom, but they were mediocre. And she has propelled this team up. Then she gets a co-star in Sam Breen, and the two of them have created a top 35 team in the country. So they really deserve the respect and admiration and tons of applause on Saturday. It's a coronation of a culmination of everything they've given to this program. Yep. Like, Queen Breen is not a name that's just given. It is one that has been earned. And this is really the really the cherry on top of everything that they've given, all the blood, sweat, and tears that they're gonna sh- that they will sh- that they're gonna shed they have shed and will shed as they go along the rest of the season. I mean, if you're if you care about like storylines, sports, you wanna feel connected, like you wanna see something that's probably not gonna be seen for a while on this campus, get let's get to the Mullen Center. Yeah, and I just wanna add also Sam Breen and Destiny Filoxi, not only do they deserve to have their numbers retired here at UMass solely because of, you know, what they've done on the court, but off the court, they are two of the nicest people you will ever meet in your lifetime. Jacob, they've been so nice to us as long as we've been a part of the team. For me, just this year, for you, the past year and a half or so, but they are just, they want to see everyone on their team happy they want to see everyone around them happy um you see if you look on destiny specifically her social media it's just constantly fans coming up to her after the game she'll give a bunch of little kids hugs sign autographs after every game even in one game where she got hurt and was on crutches still signing autographs for everyone these are two world-class people they deserve to have their numbers retired they deserve statues and they deserve any accolade you could ever give them so please come on out and support them because you will not be disappointed that is so perfectly said josh there has been no one who has done more for the umass community than destiny philoxy over her five years the amount of time that she spends especially with young kids here at the Mullen Center before games, after games, on social media, going out into the community and doing things. They really are, both of them are top-notch people. UMass as a team, they did a clinic yesterday with a bunch of young kids and champs after the game for National Girls and Women in Sport Day. And it was really awesome just to watch all the smiles that those athletes get to put on the faces of young kids because they bring so much joy to the community and... They Again, they are world-class people, Destiny and Sam especially. So go give them the, their support and love on Saturday. 4 p.m. is tip-off. Get there around 3.30, 3.45 so you can be there in time for the Senior Day ceremony. That being said, that game's going to be against George Washington. And that's one of two remaining games for UMass. First, they go on the road to St. Louis on Wednesday. And when we looked at the schedule at the beginning of the year, we kind of thought, all right, last three games for UMass will be rather easy. Davidson, St. Louis, GW. Eh, that's not the case anymore. GW and St. Louis were both in the first round pillow fight games last year, and here they are battling for a top four seed. Sam, I think it's UMass can't, has to be careful not to take these teams lightly. St. Louis has won 
five of their last six. They are rolling currently. They just came off a win against LaSalle, a team that we talked about in high regard on the show as having some talent. And they are not a team that UMass should be taking lightly, especially if they want a chance to really control their own destiny. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, where UMass has to just make sure they stay mentally sharp because those are two very good teams with some good players, too. Yeah, I think that was why it's kind of crucial to have played well against Davidson. There was a little bit of a worry going into that game for me that you're going to see them you know, struggle to get up to play a game after such a big win over URI. But now that they did that, I think they're mentally in a good place where they can play two teams that... There's a good ch- that there's a good chance you're probably going to run into one of them either in the quarterfinal or the semifinal or both of them potentially, yep. and I mean outside of URI and UMass, they arguably have been the two best teams in the conference. So they're definitely a team that you can't take lightly, and if you don't play well, you might lose a huge game that's going to hurt you when it comes to the conference champ- conference regular season title. Yeah, UMass has to stay sharp because those are teams that could pull the upset. Yes, Sam. When, and I think, with, especially with St. Louis, they are an offensive juggernaut. They are the third best offense in the A-10, but they're the worst defense in the A-10. So we could be seeing a shootout on our hands, and this could be a fun game to watch because we've seen teams, UMass got into shootouts with four of them. That, we know how that game went. And this is the, could be another one of those games where it's just blow for blow, punch for punch, basket for basket. Just an overall insane game from start to finish. Yeah, I mean... 12 wins in a row is, you know, program record, right? That's You can't ask for much more, but I think the only way to cap off this season is to finish it off 2-0 right there. I mean, these are, these are beatable teams. Um, like Sam said, St. Louis, that game could be really, really fun uh, with the offense. And for George Washington, they have a very solid team. Obviously, it's not just like they played well non-conference as well, so they're up there, and we're probably going to see them again even if we beat them in the last game of the season. But that game is going to be very intriguing, I think, specifically the GW one. Yeah, St. Louis, well, both of these teams, their coaches could make are making great bids for Coach of the Year. Caroline McCombs, a GW, last year, like I said, they were a 12 or 13 seed, and this year... Here they are right now is currently sitting in third. And then for St. Louis, they're under first-year head coach Rebecca Tillett, and she had to replace a somewhat legend in Lisa Stone with a whole revamped roster for the most part. And St. Louis has come out of nowhere, and we've been really impressed by them. Yeah, and I just want to talk a little bit more about St. Louis. Sure, they don't have a great defense, but some of the key stats that I've been looking at recently in the past few days are absolutely mind-boggling. Brooke Flowers leads the entire country in blocks, and it's not very close. She is up there with Cameron Brink of Stanford, one of the best players in the country. She has 115 blocks on the season, just a ridiculous number. She's one away from having four per game. If yeah. she had one, 116 would be four per game. That's just Two is ridiculous yeah. per game. Also, this is an outstanding offensive rebounding team. They are 23rd in the country in offensive rebounds per game. Julia Martinez, who is a 5'10 guard, she is 18th in the country in offensive wow. rebounds per game. So I think it really comes down. We'll, we'll do score predictions in a little bit, but I think it's really going to come down to will UMass let St. Louis bully them on, on the boards? And if they do, it's going to be a game. And if they don't, UMass should come away with an easy win. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think that leads us into score predictions. I can go first. I think 
St. Louis can score. Kyla McMakin is a really good player. She's a great addition to this conference. Martinez for St. Louis, she gets so many steals, too. You have to watch out for her quick hands. I think UMass, though... Because St. Louis is so bad defensively, UMass might really go off here. I think the final score will be UMass 89, St. Louis 78. Now, Josh. So my score prediction, I I really think UMass is playing outstanding basketball. They are going to be ready for Brooke Flowers. They're going to be ready for Julia Martinez. St. Louis doesn't shoot that well of a team. I think UMass is going to do a good job on the boards. I'm going to say UMass takes this one 82-63. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I have a feeling that this is a game where UMass can just run away with it. Like you said, St. Louis doesn't really play defense. Um, I, think, I think it's going to be a, Taylor's going to have a monster game for UMass. I'm going to go 86-59 UMass in a blowout. Ooh. That is a blowout. My God. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's no question Massachusetts is coming away with this one. Uh, they they score pretty good, like we said. Um, I'd say that's going to be in the 70s. So let's go 78-68 UMass. I think UMass is going to get out to a huge lead early and not look back. Josh mentioned they don't shoot well as a team, but especially they don't shoot well from the three, and therefore they're going to have to rely a lot on their interior, and UMass has shown that they can really clog that per, that interior, so they are going to be stifled on offense, which is their strength. So I think this is not... I think UMass comes out. Give me 82 to 64 in this one. And I, now I think... Let's switch to GW. I know we didn't really talk about them, and we're not going to spend much time on them because the important stuff is the seniors, like we mentioned, and battling for a regular season championship. A couple players to watch out for for GW. Robertson is excellent. She's been lighting things up for them. Maiwo Taiwo down low is a presence as well for GW. They can be a team that has upset potential. Yeah, Naya Robertson's probably one of the contenders for A-10 sixth player of the year. Mm. Only started one game this year. But plays a good amount of minutes, averaging almost 25, and then scores the basketball well. She's the team-leading scorer at 14.3. So just a player that comes off the bench and can kind of change a game, which UMass doesn't really like to do is go to that bench often, where George Washington will fully trust the bench to score. So that being said, let's do score predictions real quick. Just run through them. I'll go first. UMass will win on Senior Day 79-2. to 70. I'm going to go UMass takes this one 78 to 76. It's going to be a very tight game. I'm with Josh. GW is a very good defensive team. They move the road. They communicate very well. So I think it's going to be a dogfight from, from all the way. I think UMass takes this one 72 to 70. 76, 70. Queen Bean, Queen Breen triple double. Excuse me. And does she get the record? Yes. See, I'm going to be the one that picks against them here. Oh. I think it's senior day. I think it's the emotions are there, and I think it might just contribute to a slow start that they don't really recover from. 65-58, George Washington in the upset. Why, have, why was I not surprised at all? <laughs> I, I, hey, hey, listen. Chris has BC always boy. picked against them, no, and they've I, always won those I games. I picked against them four I, I, times. They're four... They're 4 0 when I pick against them. So this is the unselfish. Oh, okay. Pick Thank them. you, Chris. Oh, there you go. Thank He's you. He's looking out for the program. No question. <laughs> All right. We're about to wrap up episode 21 of the UMass Women's Basketball Show. Anyone else have final thoughts to share? 
Come to the Mullen Center. 4 p.m. on Saturday, but be there earlier. Last chance to see Breen and Philoxy. Breen has the chance at that record. It's a great. It's one of the probably the biggest game any UMass sport will have on campus all year. Yep, I think you are exactly right, Chris. It should be a lot of motions. It should be a ton of fun to get to recognize two of the greatest ever and try to win your first regular season title in program history. So it's been a pleasure, guys. For Sam Kinchis, Josh Schreiber, Beckett Story. And Chris Vogel, my name is Jacob Munch, and you've been listening to episode 21 of the UMass Women's Basketball Show here on WMUA 91.1 FM Amherst, your official home of UMass Minute Women Hoops. Hi, this is Aisha Dabo, and you're listening to UMass Women's Basketball on 91.1 WMUA.